This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, internet friends. My name is Chris. And I happen to be Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 324, recorded on Victoria Day, Monday, the 22nd of May, 2017. Happy Victoria Day, Mr. Fairhurst. What did you do to celebrate the Queen's birthday today, Jason? Oh my God, I did some small engine repair on my lawnmower, and then I mowed the lawn. (laughs) Funny, that's what she was doing too, I hear. Yeah, of course. Of course. Because, you know, when uh, you leave your lawnmower sitting for two years... Uh, and don't start it, uh, you need to figure out what the hell and why it won't start. And it turns out, uh, you know, if you leave it sitting with the gasoline in it, it doesn't work after a while, which is what I've been saying about The Walking Dead for a long time, that you leave cars sitting there for two years and you go and try and start them. They won't start. Right. So you learned that or you proved that theory with your lawnmower. That's right. I had to siphon out all the old gas and put in new gas. And uh, I also cleaned uh, the undercarriage and uh, sharpened the blade. And I looked at the spark plug. I don't know anything about spark plugs, but I looked at the spark plug. And I think that did the trick. Did you actually siphon the gas out? Yeah. Like put put a tube in there, put your mouth on it, suck the gas out? Oh, God, no. You go to Canadian Tire and for $2, you get a gas siphon, which has a little bulb you squeeze and it siphons the gas. There's no more sucking gas. You don't have to do that anymore. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. I've siphoned water out of a turtle tank before, which is pretty oh, nasty. That That's salmonella soup. You can't do that. Well, I drank some tequila after, so I figure I'm okay. Oh yeah, you're fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, anyway, that's what I did on my Victoria Day. What did you do on your Victoria Day? We we uh, got together with some people this afternoon, had had a drink, and pretty much all this entire weekend, I finished moving my older daughter into her own bedroom. So I've been nice. putting up shelves, building beds, you know, arranging stuff, painting, all that fun stuff. But we're all done. She's moved in now, so everybody has their own room. Snug as a bug in a rug. That's pretty much it. Yep. Only Izzy, it, the younger kid, got the new rug. So. Oh, okay. Well, you know, everybody's got to have something. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, so the house, uh, the people have spread out in the house a little bit, which is okay, but they still sometimes end up sleeping together in the same room because they're very yeah, close that way. They're very close. Yeah. And every once in a while, when you uh, do something stupid, uh, you get your very own couch to sleep on. <laughs> That's right. It happens to be all the way in the basement right there. Yeah. I can you see spread it. spread out a little bit. Everybody just spreads out because they're in trouble. <laughs> That's, that happens. On the couch. It happens. All right. Well, I also heard you went and saw Alien Covenant, so I want to hear about that Did. briefly. Okay, spoiler filled or spoiler free? Oh, well, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I don't think you, okay. can, you can spoil it. I just want to hear if it was good. I don't think it was absolutely fantastic, but overall, I liked it, and I liked it so much, it made uh, Prometheus a little bit better. You know, I've heard that you, that you should see Prometheus before seeing this one, and I have oh, yeah. not seen Prometheus. Well, you should watch Prometheus. Why haven't you seen Prometheus? I don't know. It's just one of those movies I never got around to seeing. Oh my God, that's on the list. I mean, come on, Braveheart. Uh, there was Fargo, and now Prometheus. I mean, at least you've seen Fargo now, right? I have, but I've heard Prometheus was a giant pile of shit, so I never oh, wanted to see it. It's not horrible. It's not great, but it's not horrible. It's got Idris Elba in it. Well, he's how good. can it? How bad could it be with Idris Elba as the captain of the Prometheus? It can't be too bad. It's got uh, uh, Numi Rapace. She's pretty good. 
fair enough. You know? It's got some good actors, but that doesn't always make for a good movie. It's not great, but um, Covenant, Alien Covenant, is uh, is a better movie. Mm-hmm. By far, it's a better movie, and it actually made Prometheus a little bit better. Okay. Do the- and it's basically, uh, I don't know if you know the plot, but uh, basically it's Danny McBride drives a spaceship to uh, a place and some things happen, and uh, it's an alien movie. I, I find it hard to put... <laughs> Put Danny McBride into this uh, this whole equation and think, yeah, it's it's a pretty good alien movie. <laughs> he uh, he didn't do too bad a job. He's okay. not you know the typical Danny McBride character, All but right. uh, you know he he didn't do he did a pretty good job, I think overall. Okay, well I'm I'm interested to see it then. So I'm not sure if well I guess I have to see Prometheus first if it makes that movie better. You should see Prometheus first. All right. And then immediately afterwards, like, don't wait. Don't, like, go, okay, I need to watch Prometheus now and then Alien Covenant, like, uh, six months from now. I mean, like, watch Prometheus and then leave the house and go watch Alien Covenant. Okay. If not, you know, put it on your phone, go to the movie theater, sit in the lobby, watch Prometheus or maybe on an iPad or something bigger. Uh, Bring your, uh, you know, laptop or, you know, full computer if you need to. I don't know. Whatever you need to do. My 27-inch iMac. I'll bring that to the movie theater and they won't won't wonder what's going on. (laughs) You watch Prometheus and then immediately see Alien Covenant. Okay. I will try to do that. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'll try. Or you could just wait for Alien Covenant to come out on Blu-ray or some kind of streaming media and then, you know, do everything in in a double feature. All right. Yeah, maybe I will. Okay, well, that's exciting. Um, I'm just excited that you got out to see a movie. That's amazing. It is amazing. Uh, and, you know, the alien movies, you know one of the things I like most about alien movies? The aliens? No, the tech. The oh. vision of the uh, the spaceship, how to drive a spaceship. It's, uh, I don't know what it is. It's very kind of, they never land on a planet. Like, I don't know if you, you've seen the original alien movies, right? Yes. Whenever has something happens, something blows up, catches on fire. Uh, you know they have to flip a bunch of switches. There's a whole bunch of uh, radio, you know, noises in the background or even in the foreground. The tech is very interesting to me. Uh, it's a very neat vision of the future. Uh, and even in this movie, it was great. There was like these this whole section where they were, everybody was flipping switches all over the place, and I think that was <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Pushing buttons, flipping switches, like it was great. Pulling levers. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon in the cockpit, there's like, if, I don't know if you look around the cockpit in any of the uh, movies, but do so. There's so many paddle switches in the Millennium Falcon on all the panels in the background, and there's levers and things to pull and all kinds of stuff. That's really neat. Alien alien movies are like that. I like the tech. Okay, very cool, very cool. I'll try to see it. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty busy in the next few weeks, but if it sticks around in theaters, then maybe I'll get out to it. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's Jay, Jason's quick review of Alien Covenant, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we are going to talk about The Walking Dead today. We have some Walking Dead news and, of course, the second half of our Jeffrey Dean Morgan actor spotlight. And by second half, I mean fun half. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that a little <laughs> <Yeah>. later. <laughs> uh, but first, there is one email I want to read from a listener and uh, because it's a listener email, I have to play this. Listener feedback. Now, Jason, I hope this message doesn't make you uncomfortable, but it is something I want to address. This email comes from Laura in New York. Laura writes, This was my first year listening to your podcast, and I'm not sure I'll listen again. 
Almost every show, I found myself wondering why you two even bother watching The Walking Dead. You tear apart every aspect of the show and complain incessantly about the stupidest things. For example, in the season finale, you complain about the scenes of Sasha and Abraham. Those scenes added depth to the episode. You complain about JDM's acting, and I really can't believe you and some of your listeners complain about the length of some episodes. Really? What fan wants shorter episodes? Ridiculous. I could go on and on, but I think you guys, uh, you get the gist. You should just enjoy the damn show or stop making podcasts about it. <laughs> so first of all, Laura, thank you for your feedback. And, and I don't mean that with any level of sarcasm. I do appreciate every email we get from someone, as long as it's not insulting or something along those lines. Um, but uh, I hate to inform you, I don't think we're going to stop making podcasts about the show. And I also think that uh, over the years, we've been right and wrong, but relatively fair on on, on the show. And, and by that, I mean, we have been fair to ourselves and fair to our listeners in that we've always sort of called it like it is or how we see it. And uh, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. Ultimately, this podcast is about our opinion of the show, right or wrong. Like you say, uh, you know, popular or unpopular, we, you know, for everything we dislike about the show, there's things we like about the show. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a fair criticism. Uh, I don't think it's, uh, it's fair to say that you should either, you know, like the show or stop podcasting because that just seems like a, uh, uh, a talking dead episode. Like it's, you know, just. <laughs> People talking about the show, but it's, you know, fanboy lip service as far as I'm concerned. AMC's this is not that. Talking Dead with Chris Hardwick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is not that at all. This is about us reacting to what we see on screen. And, and I am acutely aware that over the course of seven years, um, you and I have, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to remember back to season two or something that happened, you know? And there are times where we forget something happened. We, uh, we, we don't reference something we should, or we get something wrong and it happens. You know, I, I certainly am not perfect, but I think that happens to everybody. And as the season, as the show goes on and on into the eighth, ninth, 10th, 15th season, <laughs> I hope it doesn't get worse, but it might because, you know, season two was a long time ago. It was. And you know, I, I mentioned that because the, the scenes with Sasha and Abraham that Laura mentions, not so much the stuff in the house, but the stuff where they're sitting on that log, you and I both kind of completely missed the fact or for misremembered the fact that, you know, her and Maggie were sitting out on that log at one point when Aaron walked up. So it happens, but I think overall, overall, we, uh, we, we love the show a lot more than we, we don't love the show. That's true. And uh, we're just going to tell it like it is. So there you go. Anyways, thank you, Laura, for sending that in. And uh, if you're not listening anymore, that's too bad. But I do hope you are. All right. Let's move on into the next segment, The Walking Dead News. The Walking Dead News. All righty. News is a little bit all over the place today. You know the company Funko, Jason? I absolutely do not know the company Funko, Christopher. You don't? They make those little vinyl Funko Pop characters, and they make them for every frigging... Oh, I know those things. I don't know, you know, 
the name of the company that made them before this very second. So yeah, awesome. All right. Bobblehead things and some of them are bobbleheads, some of them are not. But yeah, I have I have a couple of uh, Elf and uh, Ralphie for, for Christmas. Perfect. Yes. In fact, I have both of those too. <laughs> yeah. But I have, we have a bunch of Walking Dead ones. The kids sometimes play with them. And uh, at one point, um, one of them set up a wedding between Daryl Dixon and Snow White. Yeah, I knew. I was going to mention that. There was something in your family about the... <laughs> about that yeah so they are wildly popular i think and uh, they are debuting four new figures in their dorbs line and dorbs d-o-r-b-z it took me a second but i'm pretty sure that is short for adorbs which is kind of short for adorable well that's convoluted it, a little a bit, bit dense but whatever <laughs> a little bit but i figured it out when i went and looked at them but they're releasing four new figures in their dorbs line for the walking dead you're going to get carl and then carl with eye patch oh. and negan and then blood splattered negan nice so if you're into that you uh you can find those they are going to be exclusively at walgreens stores for you collectors <sighs> Do we have, uh, even have Walgreens in Canada? We, we do not. We do not. As far as I know, at least not in Ontario. So, uh, Jason's sad. You're going to have to take a road trip to the States, find a Walgreens and pick these up. I can remember a Walgreens, going to a Walgreens in New York City. When you and I but, were there? Yeah. I think we were, uh, there was one around the corner. Anyway, have that's you, too bad. Have, I will not uh, be picking those up unless you can, can you order online from Walgreens? I don't think that's a thing. I don't know. I, I really don't know, but maybe, I don't know. Uh, you Maybe I could order online from a company that uh, their address is next to a Walgreens and ask them politely, can you go into the Walgreens and pick this up and include it in my order? <laughs> you, if you, you know, if you got the right person at the right time on the right day, that just might work. But I'm I, thinking Adafruit. I, uh, I've been, I ordered a few things from Adafruit over the last, uh, year or so, and, uh, they might, uh, they might be next to a Walgreens, so I could put in a special request. Okay. Well, you let me know how that goes. If not, uh, next time I'm in the States, I will swing by a Walgreens and buy up the entire stock. That sounds expensive. But yeah. Fantastic. Prob- Great. Good work. Probably not. Then and- you'd be, uh, charged as a, uh, not charged, but you would be, uh, have to pay duties and taxes as if you were a an importer of uh, what do you call these things? Fuggles? F- Funko. Funko. Right. Uh, you'd, you'd be an official importer of uh, this product. Yeah. Well, maybe I should do that. Maybe, maybe. I should do that. Uh, now, the next item here relates back to something we talked about. Was it last time or the podcast before? If you recall, Josh McDermott, he sort of left social media because he was getting death threats. Yes, people dislike Eugene so much. Asshats. Yeah, total asshats. So Alana Masterson appears to have deactivated many of her social media accounts now as well. She, of course, plays Tara. It is kind of unconfirmed at this time, but she appears to have deleted everything except her Twitter account. And I frame this, you know, I must frame this as speculation because I don't think she has made a particular comment on it, but we know she was upset after her episode, the Oceanside episode last season called Swear. A lot of people weren't so nice to her and about how she looked after having a baby. What's wrong with people? Oh. Seriously. uh, Some people are just giant jerks. That's the problem. So uh, maybe that, that attitude or what's been happening to her hasn't 
subsided and she's decided to leave social media for a while. It seems again, we don't know for sure, but I just wanted to bring it up because, you know, people stop being jerks. And, That's awful. And, and, just... and if you're listening and you're not a jerk, which I think 99.999% of our listeners are not jerks, but if you know someone who's a jerk, tell them to stop being a jerk. Yeah. No kidding. That's just, I, I'm beside myself with uh, frustration and anger at uh, hearing such a thing. Amazingly, you can still talk right into your microphone being beside yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm a professional. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyways, so just, that sucks. You know, the, people shouldn't have to go through this sort of thing and uh, smarten up. Hopefully, Alana and Josh can, you know, come back to the internet someday and it'll be a warm and fuzzy place that they can enjoy. Internet is not a warm and fuzzy place. Yeah, I'm But it, it is enjoyable. It can be. It can be. Yeah. All right, AMC has an explanation, Jason, for The Walking Dead's ratings being down. Uh-oh, that sounds, okay, this sounds like it's going to be fun. Go ahead. Yeah, this will be good. So AMC Network CEO Josh Sapan, or Sapan, told the, some Wall Street people at a media and communication summit in New York recently, he said, we're seeing an offset of subscriber decline through internet TV subscription, I think it's likely to accelerate as prices adjust, as packages adjust, as offerings are customized, and so-called disruptors enter the market and offer varieties of packages that may take hold. Oh, you fucker. No. So he is saying that basically that view there are more and more online streaming options now to get your TV and, and your content. And he's saying that viewers are leaving cable or pay TV services and opting into these streaming options. And that basically we're in a big transition, uh, transition period right now where a lot of people are jumping off of traditional cable packages. Um, and that is seeing a decline in, uh, viewership across the board. So, okay. So two things here. My first thought, which was why I, uh, you know, swore there was that I thought he was blaming the, uh, you know, the fact that they have to offer uh, individualized packages for uh, television, you know, how you can pick and choose channels now instead of having to take their stupid packages that they, uh, they drum up. So that's, this is, that's the first thought I had was that he was blaming the fact that the industry is changing and that, uh, you know, this is going to be uh, a problem because of the selection that they're offering the public. Before but get... it sounds like he's actually saying that this is, uh, like you say, a period of transition and a, uh, a correction of how people are actually consuming it. And we need to better understand how to measure how people are actually viewing the show. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got some information here from another piece about about the TV industry ratings in general, but um you're right. He's saying that there are there are more options now. There are different options. People have more flexibility in how they're going to get their TV content, and that is it's in, relatively new to in the industry, right? I mean, I know yeah. iTunes has been around for a long time at this point, but there are new Streaming services popping up. Some networks are providing, are creating their own, including AMC, I think. Um, although I don't remember the details on it right now. But, you know, HBO Go exists. Uh, I'm pretty sure FX does their own streaming. Stars has a streaming service. And some of the big networks do as well. Uh, none of which are available to you and I in Canada. <laughs> right. <laughs> Naturally. Which makes sense because we always get the shaft. 
pretty much, pretty much always get the shaft when it comes to this kind of stuff. We don't even have a Walgreens for crying out loud. Good Lord, man. What shall we do? <laughs> it comes down to licensing agreements. Of course, they make these deals for the United States, but that doesn't include us. So, so yeah, he's saying that we're in the middle of a, of a shift from one model to another and it's affecting right. viewership and ratings in a big way. So the fact that uh, these ratings are declining, uh, they don't take into account iTunes because that's how I personally consume The Walking Dead is I watch it on iTunes. Uh -huh. I, you know, I buy the season, I download it at the day after or the night of that, uh, that it airs and I watch it. Uh, there's nothing in the ratings that indicates, uh, you know, iTunes downloads, right? Well, I, I, not that I know of, but you, 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 f you have to figure there's some sort of metrics there somehow. But they're not being factored into the the live viewing ratings, obviously. Right. Because and, they're not. Uh, yeah, it's a different revenue stream, right? Because iTunes doesn't have any commercials, but I pay for the content, mm -hmm. right? And they use ratings to get advertising dollars. So the ratings are going down. They're saying we're not getting the advertising dollars, but that doesn't count all the revenue streams because they're getting, you know... Uh, Three dollars for right. my iTunes download, or three sixty nine, or whatever the hell it is, or the fifty dollars I pay for the season. Uh, that's that's free money, right? They don't have to put advertising in that lock because that's fifty bucks per person. That's uh, that's uh, buying their season. Are you somewhat surprised that they haven't tried to put advertising in there? By now? I I complained to iTunes because there was a few episodes of. Uh, the new girl that actually had ads at the beginning for a different show on the same network. And I complained to iTunes. It's like, I just bought this content. Why the hell is there ads here? It's like, oh, we get that from the source, blah, blah, blah. And I canceled my subscription right then and there. To that show. To that show, because they put something at the beginning of that. And I, if I'm going to pay for content, I don't want bullshit. I don't want a lower third. I don't want commercials. Uh, I will stop using iTunes altogether if they start putting ads in there. Way to take a stand, man. But the problem is you go to movie theaters still, and they're freaking more ads than movie these days. Oh, my God. I hate going to movie theaters. I saw the movie. I liked the movie. I did not complain about the ass hat that was fucking texting the whole goddamn time just off of the left side of me <laughs> or this two friggin' morons that kept talking behind me or the, oh my God, half hour of friggin' commercials at the beginning of the damn thing. I hate going to the movie theater and having to experience that bullshit. I am I'm almost ready. I am this close to just never going to a movie theater again. But I love going to movie theaters except for all that crap. And I love seeing movies. That's the problem. I... I <sighs> it's hard. It's it, hard. I wish I had popcorn. I don't buy popcorn as a general rule because I don't generally like popcorn. It's not food. I won't go there, but <laughs> very little. <laughs> the, the, star food. the starches are too complex for you to be able to process. It's not food; it's butter filler. It's a way of consuming butter or whatever. If I had popcorn and I'm considering buying popcorn just for the express purpose of throwing it asshole at assholes that do shit like that, <laughs> you know who's gonna get kicked out though? It's you for throwing popcorn. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Might be worth. I, it. I'll raise a fuss. All right. You know, you think the uh, the management will understand the fuss? I, you know, they have to. They'll I don't, know. I don't know how to complain. I don't. Do I complain to that guy? Do I complain to the usher? Anyway, what's my point? Commercials suck. If they even put a uh, a branded logo uh, of the channel in the bottom right hand corner of content on iTunes, I will return that shit. I do not want to see it. I want my content pristine. Wow, that's that's pretty harsh, man. Don't they have channel logos in the bottom corner? 
No, generally they don't. Okay. I haven't paid attention, but uh, I bet it'll happen. I bet there's going to be an ad at some point. I'll stop. I'll stop consuming content that way. Right. I will get it some other way. I will complain right to uh, AMC. I'll knock on uh, uh, Gail Enherd's front door. Knock, knock, knock. What the fuck, Gail? <laughs> uh, and you will be taken away in a police car. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, but, well, you know, she'll get the point. Back to the story. So, you know, Josh, uh, the CEO guy was saying that this is this is what's happening. Now, Vulture uh, also did a piece tracking year-over-year ratings changes. And here's the information. They used live plus seven data from Nielsen, which is live air plus the next seven days for DVR viewing. And only one single TV show, according to them, gained viewers in the 26-2017 season. And that was The Bachelor with a 3% bump. I would have liked to have guessed. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) 3%. I I probably would have gone with like Survivor or something like that. Yeah. Is that even still on? I don't know. I think so. I think it's like 30 some odd seasons or something. That's crazy. That's crazy town. Um, the average drop though was in the 10 to 20% range with a few shows dropping as much as 50% from the year before. Most of those shows have now been canceled. The Walking Dead was down about 15 to 20% in the ratings, which is more or less on track with, with the rest of the industry. So... It's, it's see, it does seem to be a pattern. It does seem to be happening across the board. It's not just walking dead. It's not because people are getting tired of the show or they didn't like the season premiere and they were turned off by the whole thing. Um, in general, the industry seems to be shifting down a little bit in the ratings. Yeah. It's how people are consuming the product. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I, I do think Josh is onto something there. Now he also at this New York summit said, about The Walking Dead specifically, he said, it's pretty alive and vital, and there's a long time that we're going to be playing with The Walking Dead. <laughs> All right, then. So no chance of it being canceled or anything like that anytime soon. Now, along these lines, back at Paley Fest in Los Angeles, which was early this earlier this year, Scott Gimple said this, we are trying to do 20 years. The Walking <laughs> Dead, <laughs> The Walking Dead comic has certainly done it, and I look forward to every issue. The Simpsons has been on 26, 27 years. So that's a challenge. So, okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> uh, fun fact, uh, Survivor has 34 seasons. But it hasn't been on the, sh- the air for 34 years. They've done No, like- they probably do multiple seasons per year. Like, why stop? It's Survivor. I guess so, yeah. People watch it. You know, same with The Bachelor. They have Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelorette in Paradise. Bullshit Bachelor, Bachelor Ass Hats, you know, all those different shows mm-hmm. and they just uh, play them all year round. I, I assume Survivor, you know, I sure hope they haven't been around for 34 years, but fuck, it feels like it sometimes. It does feel like it. <laughs> uh, so anyways, what do you think about that? Apparently, this quote I found from Scott Kimple came from Forbes and in that article, they admitted that the Simpsons bit sounded like a bit of a joke, but he was, he seemed deadly serious about the 20 season comment. Yeah, uh, there's not a chance in hell. I mean, the actors can't commit to that kind of thing. There's, there's, they're gonna want to move on at some point. Carl's gonna go. You know what? I've had like seven kids, and I'm retiring next year. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna call it quits. Right, but but the the idea is that all the actors can move on, but the show can continue. 
you can't you can't survive that kind of thing unless it's built into the uh, into the show itself. Like Law and Order went twenty years. Uh, Law and Order SVU is in like its seventeenth season or something like that. It's pretty crazy. They they have a constant rollover of the cast, but that kind of show can do that because it's a procedural drama. The whole idea is the uh, you know uh, a contain, self contained plot. The the characters are not the main focus of the show. The Simpsons absolutely the characters are the main focus of the show they have not changed in those 27 years or whatever uh and that show seems to have survived that and that is such an outlier that is not the norm to have that kind of thing last that long having a show like this where a character is important and the actors are uh you know playing those characters uh i don't think it can survive that long i, I really don't i mean the fact i would like it to i would like the podcast forever about this show but uh, you know, really in the real world at some point, uh, you know, Norman Reedus is going to go, uh, you know what? I'm going to move on. You know, I got this offer. I can, of course, you know, my contract's up. Uh, I'm just going to go. Yeah, but and then everybody, then they're going to roll over the, uh, the actors one at a time and they're going to try and survive it. But uh, eventually everybody's going to go, you know, why you, shows don't survive that. Like we've, cited a number of examples over the past uh, number of weeks and years of shows that have tried to roll over cast and it just does not work. Yeah, I know. We've, we've talked about it before, I think, but the only thing I can say is if, if it was a gradual change, you might not even notice, you know, Daryl is like, gone one season, then Carl is gone one season. And then, uh, Maggie and somebody else is gone the next season. And then, oh my God, Rick dies in season 14. Uh, but we still have Negan, who is now a good guy or something like that. And, uh, now we follow him and then we get to season 18. Oh, Negan's gone, but we've got a whole new group that we've had four years to get used to. And Ezekiel's still around. I mean. Yeah. It's like boiling a frog. You do it slow? Yeah. If you, if you take a bottle, boil of a, you know, a pot of water and you throw a frog in, that frogs are going to freak the fuck out. If you put a frog in a cold pot of water and you slowly boil it, that frog will never notice. It just dies. Well, that's look what, it up. It's like a standard thing. I'm not just saying this because it's something that I've done or know of somebody that's done it. It's like I think it's a it's it's a phrase. It's like boiling a frog. Yes, it's a uh, it's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the uh, you know uh, what's his name's cat box experiment. He didn't really kill a cat, right? It was just a thought experiment. There you go, thought experiment. Boiling a frog or killing a cat. Yeah, uh, uh, there was another point I was going to make about uh, rolling over cast slowly. Um, you know, I guess it could be done and, you know, killing off Rick, I think would be a big deal, but, uh, I'm not sure. Look at Friday Night Lights. You've, you watched the entire run of Friday Night Lights. I did indeed. Right? Yes. They had, uh, you know, some core cast, a couple of core cast members that maintained what were there for the entire run, but, uh, just the nature of a high school football team, you know, kids are going to graduate, you know, you can't have a show that runs a very long time and, the uh, you know, the, so the, the, the players have changed over the years and they kind of, it kind of worked in that show, but after a while I missed Riggins, you know, I just, I, I want some Riggins back or smash, you know? Yeah. I like smash. Yeah. Yeah. Smash I, back. I understand. I get it. I just think if, I think the walking dead actually has a reasonably good chance of making this work if they do go that long. I'm not saying I want them to, uh, because ultimately you want it to be a good, story good great show entertaining all that um 
so but but I don't know. I I think I feel like it could work partly because they have the comic to follow as well. You know, they have all that material to do and people are familiar with it. So when you kill off a main character, it doesn't feel like you are starting from scratch or anything like that. Comic readers will be like, okay, I know where they're going, you know, so I don't know. It's, but it it would be crazy. It would be weird to see them just go forever and yeah. start, start killing off major characters. I don't know. So what, Judith is going to be 15, 16 eventually? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it could happen. It could happen. I don't know. Uh, anyways, let's, let's move on. We'll have to revisit this topic in a decade and see where we're at. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back uh, <laughs> 10 years from now and, uh, you know, talk about it. Some Why more. not? Uh, all right. Two more quick items. Uh, first of all, Telltale's The Walking Dead New Frontier season finale. Uh, re- the release date has been announced and it's soon. It's May 30th. So that's, May 30th. That's, that's like a week from today or something. Something like that. Yeah. So that's the final chapter in uh, in the latest Walking Dead game. It's called From the Gallows. It will be available for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, iOS, and Android. And of course, you and I have not played any of this game because neither of us have any of those. Well, we do have iOS devices, but I'm not going to play it on my phone. So No, I'm not playing it on my phone. So, But neither of us have a PS4 or an Xbox One, so we cannot partake. I have a PC, but I don't have a video card that can support that uh, level of graphics at this point. Someday, soon, maybe, it'll coincide with uh, having time to play it. Yeah, that's the Let's other just thing. Just say that. That's the other thing. Uh, I am. I have some video game commitments right now that I've told myself when I am complete with them, I may think about buying an Xbox One. Uh, or if it happens to be well off in the future, whatever Xbox Scorpio is. Kind of, kind of interested in that. What? Yeah, that's the next. What is this Xbox. you speak of? Xbox Scorpio. They're already doing another one. So they they came out with the Xbox One S. You know, that's the update to the one, and they have yeah. announced the next one, the Scorpio for 2018. But I don't think there are very many details on it yet. Oh, come on, but that'll be the one. If I'm still, I'm too old. I guess I'm not ready to move on from my Xbox 360. I guess. Yeah. No, I guess not. You don't even have a second. Like you have the original 360, right? Well, was there a new one? Well, there's the smaller one. The smaller <laughs> oh, yeah, no, case. it's the original one. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised it still works. <laughs> well, it might not. I don't know. It's been on the shelf over there for eight months. I haven't plugged it in in quite some time. I played Hexic uh, when Jasper was first born for a little while. Jenny and I played a little bit of Hexic, but that's that's about it. God. Well, he's coming up on a year old soon. He's nine months old today. That's, well, congratulations to that. But boy, he'll be, a, he'll be a year in in August, right? Yeah, August 22nd. He's, uh, yeah, he's crazy. It's crazy. He's so big. It is so big. Oh my big. God, he's so big. Christina was there last week and she told me he's huge and he's mobile and he's standing up and he talks a lot and super adorable. I played catch with him for the first time yesterday. He's Dorbs. That's awesome. He's a Dorbs. He's Dorbs. That's correct. <laughs> we learned that phrase earlier tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a word. No problem. <laughs> of course. If someone said it, it's a word. All right, finally... I wanted to just address something that someone asked me recently. Why are we not talking about all the Fear of the Walking Dead previews? And there is kind of a reason. I don't know if you guys will think it's a good reason, but I've decided that I want to go into season three of Fear the Walking Dead as blind as possible. So I haven't been watching any of the trailers and previews they've been putting out. I assume you have not been watching them either because it's just sort of in your nature. 
Yeah, stupid and uninformed. It's a life choice. <laughs> there you go. In my case, it was a conscious decision to not watch them because I just want to start the season fresh. I, For some reason, I just don't want to have that preconception going in. And I'm trying kind of a new thing and see how it goes. I'm focusing on watching videos on how to make your own table saw. Well, that's good. You have to have priorities. Of course. Should we podcast about that? Probably not. No, probably not. Right. You know, neither. But, you know, I haven't, no, I haven't been watching any of the previews. Uh, in fact, I didn't know there were previews. Because <laughs> unless you tell me, I don't know anything. Jason doesn't it's, use I'm the on, internet. I'm terribly uninformed about the world around me. Right. It's really kind of scary at this point. Well, you should just watch the news once in a while. But that well, won't... I do watch the news, but they're not going to tell me about previews for Fear of the Walking Dead. That's not going to show up on, you know, CBC at five. No, this, you know, Metro Morning that I tend to, you know, it's on TV, Metro Morning. You can listen to it on the radio or you can watch it on TV before seven o'clock. I didn't know it was You on didn't TV. know that, did you? No, I did not. There you go. I, I do that. All right. I guess I don't get up early enough. Uh, anyways, in case anyone is worried though, we do not intend to do this or take this approach to the Walking Dead trailer that will come out at Comic-Con this summer. We will definitely watch that, analyze the shit out of it, talk about every frame, and, you know, nothing to worry there. 30 frames a second, four minutes for the video. Sounds riveting. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> all right. That's all the Walking Dead news for now. Last thing on the agenda today is to finish off our Jeffrey Dean Morgan actor spotlight. So last time we talked about a couple of TV shows he did and, of course, Watchmen. This week, we are going to talk about three movies he he's starred or appeared in i suppose the first one being the possession from 2012 then we'll move on to the accidental husband from 2008 and going back in time to undercover heat in 1995 so why don't we just do them in in that order jason we'll start with the possession from imdb the description of this movie is a young girl buys an antique box at a yard sale Unaware that inside the collectible lives a malicious ancient spirit, the girl's father teams with his ex-wife to find a way to end the curse upon their child. The movie, of course, stars JDM as Clyde. It has Kira Sedgwick as Stephanie. That's Clyde's ex-wife. And the girl, Emily, or M, as she goes by mostly in the movie, is played by Natasha Collis. She's the possessed daughter. Uh, so young, young actress, I think no more than maybe 11, 12 years old when she shot this film. Right. It was also produced by Sam Raimi, which I did not realize until the credits rolled at the end and I saw his name. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. I guess I didn't watch the credits. Or you had your eyes closed or something at that point. I don't know, because you were so terrified of this film. Uh, but yeah, produced by Sam Raimi, a guy I really like and respect and really enjoy all of the work he did with Evil Dead and a number of other movies. So, The Possession, Jason. It's a PG-13 possession horror slash thriller movie. What did you think? I thought it was horrible. <laughs> really that bad? <laughs> it was basically, you know, with the fact that it was called The Possession, and it's sort of like The Exorcist. Uh, it was sort of like that, but with a box involved instead of a... a, a, a it was bad. I didn't like it. I, the, my problem is in with scary movies in general. Uh, I cannot watch scary movies by myself because they do not scare me 
and I missed the point. And if I watch them with other people, at least I can, you know, enjoy the movie as being part of a group of people that uh, are, you know, emotionally involved in it. But if I'm watching it by myself, I don't get it. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. All I could think was, man, this house this guy bought was, uh, it, you know, wasn't put together very well. The floors were all crooked. The molding was bad. Uh, you know, obviously it was a set. It just, I don't know. That That's the kind of thing I noticed. So have you never had an experience at a movie, like, I guess a scary movie that you at least feel a little bit of tension or feel your heart rate increases or you just, you get a little bit nervous or anything like that. You don't have to be fully into it. And like, you know, you don't have to look at that and be like, Oh my God, that's real. It's happening to me right now or it will on my way home. But you, you never just sort of sit and kind of get into a movie enough that it makes you nervous or tense. Uh, horror movies. Uh, no, huh. I, if I'm watching them with other people, yes, I've been, uh, I think one of the scariest movies I ever watched was The Exorcist, but granted, I was watching that with my family at the time, and I was in grade three. I was way too young to watch The Exorcist. Clearly. When I first saw The Exorcist. I gave my mom shit for this about six months ago. I told her, hey, what the hell? She's like, I thought you could handle it. (laughs) Fuck you, you. it was scary. Very mature uh, three-year, or uh, grade (laughs) three-year. Yeah, I remember hiding behind the couch. I mean, like, you know, get a clue, mom. I was friggin' terrified. Anyway, uh... When I watched them, like a friend of the show, Dave, he likes horror movies. He's always liked horror movies. I like watching horror movies with Dave because he likes them so much. Mm-hmm. I just, I get into them. I can get, uh, I can freak out. Dave can yell and I can be start- startled by that. Uh, <laughs> you know, but when I watch when I watch a horror movie by myself, I, I miss the point. It does not resonate with me. I don't, other kinds of movies, yes. Uh, I remember renting watching and enjoying all by myself Bridget Jones Diary. Yeesh. Like I was completely alone and I watched that movie and I liked it. Uh, you know, watching horror movies, it, I missed the point. I don't, so I didn't like this movie and I don't know if it's the movie's fault or if it's my fault. Like I'll, I can take responsibility for that, but I completely missed the point. It seemed boring to me. All right. Well, one one more question before I get into my thoughts on this movie, but can you appreciate a horror movie for anything, for any other aspects of it? Like if you're not afraid or you just can't get into it or you think it's stupid and you, you don't get it, you know, and you miss the point, can you appreciate the, I don't know, the storytelling, the writing, the acting, all those sorts of things that go into a film? Or is it just all like, nope, this doesn't work? It, I don't. I don't know how to answer that other than uh, I can understand that this could be a good movie that I just don't understand. Are there horror movies that you like? Yeah, The Exorcist is fantastic. I love that movie. It doesn't scare me, but I love it. Well, there you go. So you can like a horror movie. It just doesn't frighten you. Yeah. You know, I might be tainted because I did watch that in grade three and it did scare the shit out of me at that time. I might be feeding off of that. I might be watching it vicariously through myself. (laughs) Interesting concept. (laughs) All right. No, I kind of missed it. You know, there was, there was scary parts in this movie that I'm like, oh yeah, that could be scary. But I saw that in, uh, you know, the ring or, you know, uh, yeah, that could be scary too, but that was part of the exorcist. I mean, like, come on. All right. The whole setup was, was very exorcist esque, 
right? It's uh, getting to know this family and things starting to go wrong a little bit. And then you have to call in some kind of religious figure to try and figure it out. And then all hell breaks loose and, you know, people uh, bend over backwards and do all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, fingers pop out of places and there's bugs everywhere and bugs are scary. Like, (laughs) oh my God, a moth. Oh my God, 30 moths or 500,000 moths or whatever. I'm like, yeah, a bunch of moths. Okay. See, that's a lot of moths. I wouldn't want to be in that room with that, those hundreds and hundreds of moths. No, but watching it on a, you know, on TV doesn't scare me. All right. Right. You know, actually being there with like 300,000 moths, I think I'd probably freak out a little bit. A little bit. You know, I'm not terrified of moths, but, you know, stepping on 40, you know, 40,000 bugs really kind of, and it's all crunchy and stuff, that, that kind of freaks me out. But, you know, watching it on TV, I, I don't care. Okay. Well, after all that. I thought this movie was okay. <laughs> I <laughs> I didn't think it was fantastic, but I don't think it was that bad. I do feel like it was, there were parts of it that were pretty effective in at least creeping me out, making me feel uncomfortable and kind of, you know, squinting my eyes a little bit going, oh, what are they about to show me next? Because I, f- I think this movie pushed the PG-13 rating a little bit, to be quite honest with you. You know, the, the box was, did some violent, I, I, you know what, maybe we should step back a second. So we, I read the description, this movie, it's based on a real box, apparently called the Dybbuk box, which apparently is said to be inhabited by a Dybbuk, which is a restless, malicious spirit. And apparently it can possess the living. This is a real thing that exists that they've, they based this movie on. And as you mentioned, they have to call in a religious figure. In this case, it's a Jewish religious figure. And this is part of Jewish folklore, which for me, at least, was a change of pace when I think of every other possession movie I've seen. They're generally... Yeah, usually it's a priest or, you know, a couple of priests or, you know, a, uh, a nasty priest that uh, is a cowboy and doesn't really get along with the rest of the clergy and, well, uh, you know, smokes and drinks and uh, cavorts and stuff and comes in and has to, you know, be the bad guy. <laughs> well, I was going to say generally, yes, it's a priest and therefore it's... Catholicism, right? It's Roman Catholic Church. Uh, in this case, it was Jewish folklore, which I thought was a nice change of pace. Yeah. Um, so, but back to my original point of pushing the PG-13 rating. So one of the things that happens in this movie is that the box is opened and the spirit in there can actually inflict some violent things on people. And I thought at times it was pretty graphic and um, a little frightening. And, you know, right at the beginning, an old lady gets thrown around by this thing and ends up smashing her face on a glass table and you see the blood and stuff, which you don't see a lot of blood in, uh, you don't see a lot of in PG-13 movies. You know what you do see a lot of? What? Uh, in that, uh, in that scene where the old, there were the old lady at the beginning, there was a clock on the wall. Mm-hmm. My grandparents had that very same clock. <laughs> I was kind of weirded out by that. See, you're focusing on the wrong things. <laughs> that might be your problem. You're watching it's the like, movies hey, that wrong. clock. I, my grandma, my grandma had that clock. Yeah. Well, there's another scene with the, teacher in the school that is is pretty violent i thought and then there's a bunch of rather disturbing images involving eyeballs and their faces um uh and then you know things like the the fingers coming up out of her throat and stuff like that all of that made me all very uncomfortable and if not afraid definitely creeped out and i thought if this movie is trying to creep me out it is succeeding and therefore, that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, you see, that's that's the thing is that the, the fingers we saw in other movies, I think it was The Ring or 
some other there was some other horror movie where she was washing her hair and there was a hand. I mean, we've seen that before. Fair enough, uh, but I'm not thinking about other movies when I'm watching this one. I'm watching this one, and I'm. It all seemed kind of derivative to me. Right, right. You know, and that that violent. You know that I was gonna. Uh, I'm glad you brought up that violent scene at the school. That actually happened when I was in grade seven. Only it was this guy got pissed off at this girl. I won't name names, but he just full on punched her right in the face, right in the middle of class. It was a whole thing. That's not like, cool. No, it was horrible. It was it scars me to this day that he saw that I saw that, and I'm still pissed off at that guy. He's like 40 years old now. I don't know where he is, but I'm still mad at him for doing it. Fine, but stupid ass. He didn't throw her at the window like in the movie. No, he didn't throw her at the window, but it was just like just full on punched her right in the face. That's it was not awful. Good. That's not good. Well, anyways, yeah, don't punch people in the face, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you know, beyond that, I thought the the girl uh, Natasha Collis as as Emily was pretty good. I thought she was a pretty good young actress, and they did some things in the movie that were just genuinely creepy, and the way she would just kind of stare blankly at the camera or sit in that room amongst all the uh, moths that you were talking about. And then she was sleeping with the box in her bed. You know, just all these little touches I thought they put in that, that were pretty effective in, in, my, in my mind to uh, just creep me out. So as a horror movie, or at least a scary movie, a PG-13 movie, I feel like they got away with a few things. Um, right. Of course, there was, you know, one F word towards the end. They had to have the girl say say uh fuck because you're allowed one in pg-13 and why not have it come out of a little girl's mouth yeah or much like the the exorcist when yeah what you know have, have you watched the exorcist yeah 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 oh yeah what she says disturbing oh far worse of course far worse yeah. but you know they they had to do that and then what is the deal with exorcism movies or possession movies jason where they have to have you know female um possessed people wearing white nightgowns the whole time. That seems to be a thing. Well, yeah. I mean, there's so much that is derivative of this movie and other things. Like even the Jeffrey Dean Morgan saying, take me, take me instead, dude, you know, you know, leave her alone, take me. That happened in The Exorcist. That's how The Exorcist ends. Spoiler alert, 1973. Right. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was okay it did get a little bit cliche towards the end. You know, of course they end up in a hospital basement doing the, uh, the exorcism and naturally they end up in the morgue. So there's a bunch of dead bodies around. Um, that did feel a little bit cliche to me. The Jeffrey D. Morgan stuff, you're right, was maybe a little bit silly, but overall I thought he was quite good. He was a pretty, pretty believable character as a father who's trying to do the best he can. Uh, yep. and in a, in a bad situation. And then, you know, I just mean being a single parent or being divorced and only seeing your kids on the weekend. And then all this happens, right? Yeah. So. No, I think, I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan probably was the best thing about this movie. Yeah, maybe, you know, fair enough. I mean, I, I like Kira Sedgwick, but she was kind of bland. Yeah. She was definitely sort of bland. Nothing much there, but I think the girl was the best part about the movie. I think she did a great job. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, um, just holding his own as a, as a solid actor, you know? Yeah. So, so that's it. And to be fair, I'm not going to say what it is, but the final scene of the movie, I did not expect that. Did not see that coming. And yeah. I won't even say anymore. Well, they had to do something, right? I don't know if they, they did. You know, they want a sequel. I don't, I don't know if they did have to do something. I think 
I fully expected it to just end where you think it's going to end, kind of on one note, and then it does not. No. I, I knew something was going to happen. <laughs> as soon as it, well, okay. Here, uh, I was watching it uh, uh, on my computer, and I was watching, you know, the uh, the progress bar at the bottom of the uh, the video. And when the final scene happened, I'm like, yeah, there's too much progress like we haven't made enough progress for this movie to end yet so something else is going to happen so that you know i I feel bad about that but i kind of i feel like i cheated you dude your problem (laughs) is you watch movies all wrong you're focusing on the clock and the progress bar no i wasn't (laughs) focusing on it but i just i happened to be you know it happened to be up i think i may have moved the mouse kind of thing and then everything popped Ah. up so it was an accident but i you know i feel bad but that's how what made me think that there was something else was going to happen. All right. Well, I say if you are interested in a reasonably scary PG-13 horror movie, check out The Possession. Jeffrey Dean Morgan looks good. This is not too long before The Walking Dead, only a few years. And uh, so he's fairly recognizable in this film. Yes. For, if you're absolutely. used to Negan, you know, so. Yeah. All right, next up, The Accidental Husband from 2008. This is a romantic comedy that he starred in. From IMDb, the description is, When talk radio host Emma Lloyd advises one of her listeners to break up with her boyfriend, the jilted ex sets about getting his revenge. Uma Thurman stars as Emma, the radio host, and JDM plays Patrick, who is, of course, the jilted ex. (laughs) So... This was bound to happen eventually on all of these uh, actor spotlights, but uh, I have a confession to make. Okay. I, I didn't see this movie. You didn't watch this movie? I No, I forgot, <laughs> tell you the truth, until you mentioned it. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't watch the movie. I feel bad. Okay. So well, it's, it's going to be all you. All right. Well, I think- I can look at pictures and tell you what I think of the pictures. I think you're letting everyone down. I am letting everyone down and I feel really horrible about it. <laughs> and I think if you- didn't like the possession at all. This is probably more up your alley, and you know you're a big fan really? of the uh, of the uh, Bridget Jones, as you said earlier. Okay, so. let me ask you a question about this movie Please. before we get into it. Please do. Did Colin Firth? Did they make Colin Firth kiss anybody? Uh, I do believe he kisses Uma Thurman in the film. He is a horrible kisser. Well, like absolutely horrendous. I mentioned Bridget Jones' Diary uh, previously. Watch any movie with Colin Firth in a romantic comedy of any kind whatsoever, and watch him try and kiss somebody. It's horrible. He can't kiss on screen. He cannot do it. I like Colin Firth. He cannot kiss anybody on screen. Well, I haven't really paid attention to that, but he is bad in this film. Uma Thurman is, in my opinion, just god awful in this film. Jeffrey now D. I want to see it. Jeffrey D. Morgan is is good, but I but I don't think his like I think his character motivations in this movie are far more disturbing than the movie plays it off to be. Because what happens is Uma Thurman advises Jeffrey D. Morgan's girlfriend to not marry him on a radio show, on a radio call-in show. And then Jeffrey Dean Morgan, as Patrick, decides to basically get revenge by um, fake marrying Uma Thurman's character and then stringing her along and playing her along to make her sort of, you know, understand what it feels like to have someone else affect his life like that. Right. And there are some scenes in this film, especially early on, that I thought were really, really kind of 
creepy and wrong. Basically, she comes to a bar to confront him where he hangs out a lot. And the bar is full of dudes. And basically, they manipulate her into getting super drunk and just making a fool of herself. And I found it kind of insulting and really derogatory towards women that they would depict this on scene and make and do it in such a flippant way. That sounds horrible. I know. That's like that uh, that movie where uh Kevin James and uh what's his name uh pretend to be to pretend to get married in order to get benefits or something. Uh what is that movie? I don't know, but it, it, whatever that is, at least it sounds like the two people are um are complicit in it, right? They're both doing it. They're both just trying to scam the system. In this case, it's a room full of men manipulating a woman, one who's supposed to be a strong, confident woman, you know, and so on, and she falls for this. And two, the movie seems to think that it's this kind of thing is okay, including Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character, Patrick, who's kind of the leader in all this. Now, he takes her home, he puts her to bed and doesn't do anything, you know, inappropriate after that, but... I still, well, still, I still feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty terrible, you know, thing to depict. Um, yeah, it's in, like giving somebody a roofie and then taking them home and tucking them in. in I mean, yeah. you still roofied them for yeah. crying out loud. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's played off in a really comedic way. And maybe I'm overreacting a little bit for this type of movie, but I noticed it and I felt it was pretty bad. Now that being said, Jeffrey Dean Morgan does have a few comedic scenes in this film that I enjoyed. There's one where, you know, when she, in the same bar scene, when she first walks in, he like drops down behind the bar, like all of a sudden to hide. And it was kind of a funny slapstick moment. And then later on in the movie, they are out cake testing, uh, or cake sampling. Mm-hmm. And it, I just found the whole scene kind of funny because he has a fork in each hand and there's cake all over the table and he's just digging in with both forks and he's eating it and, uh, wisecracking the whole time. And I did find that sort of amusing. So I did have a couple of laughs in this film, but Overall, I thought it was terrible. I thought almost all the characters were just insufferable, especially Uma Thurman. Oh my God, I can't believe anybody would spend any time with this person. She was just so annoying. She can do bad things. Like Uma Thurman, when she's, you know, uh, compelling and in a movie that is good, she's very good. But when, uh, like Pulp Fiction or uh, anything Tarantino, really. Uh, But she's been in, done things that have just been horrible. Well, this is one of those things, and she couldn't save. She's a good actress, but she couldn't save this this terrible character. I didn't think. Um, I also enjoyed Jeffrey D. Morgan's accent. He had a little bit of a, I guess, a New York sort of accent. He did a good job there. And he's he a firefighter, right? He's a firefighter. He makes a really good firefighter. Really? Because, you know, he's wearing a firefighter outfit on the uh, picture of the cover. Well, he's especially believable as a firefighter, in my opinion. You know what's sad? Wait a minute. Sorry. He's especially believable as the kind of firefighter you'd see on a firefighter calendar. Oh, I see. Okay, good. (laughs) There you go. But what's sad? I own this movie. And you couldn't even find time to watch it? No, I forgot about it. I I feel bad. I just, it slipped. Uh, I knew it was on the list. And I, I... You know, not only did I cheat doing my homework this uh, this week, but uh, I didn't do all of my homework. Well, maybe uh, next time we podcast, you'll have to give people an update and watch it in the meantime. I'll watch it. Uh, I own it. I'll watch it tonight. <laughs> you got to watch it three times. That's your punishment. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll watch it three times before we podcast next. Amazing. Perfect. 
Now, I wanted to talk about the end, but maybe we should save that. I don't want to spoil the ending for you. Uh, okay, that's fair. All right, well, overall, this movie I thought was just terrible and uh, insulting in a lot of ways, and so I, I do not recommend this one. Uh, but Jason has I'm to watch it three at, times. I'm uh, looking at various uh, cover art for this thing, and it looks like the acting is bad in the cover art. Like, <laughs> they're overacting the pictures. Oh, that's funny. The foot, <laughs> even the photo shoot was overacted. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at this thing. It's just, oh my God, it's horrible. How can you overact in a picture? No, they. <laughs> I guess they've found a way. Yeah. All right, well. Let's move on then and uh, maybe come back to that at another time. But uh, our last film on the Jeffrey Dean Morgan spotlight is Undercover Heat from 1995. Here's the IMDb description on this bad boy. A female cop goes undercover in a high price whorehouse to find a murderer and discovers she likes the assignment more than she should. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why could I not not watch this movie? Like, if I had to skip a movie, this would have been the one to skip. Well, I don't know, Jason. Let's let's get into this. It stars Athena Massey as Cindy Hannon and JDM as Ramon, of course. Mm, Ramon. Now, as I suspected, Ramon does not perform any of the sex scenes in this movie, of which there were plenty. Uh, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan does not appear naked in the film or simulating sex in any way. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I, you know, I mentioned when we were talking about doing this movie, uh, I did, you know, I don't know if I could handle it <laughs> and I'm right. glad we didn't have to find out. Right. Okay. So you obviously didn't like this film. Um, and I, I want to know, I want to know why, because this is a different kind of movie. You can't, I don't know that you can judge this film on the same sort of criteria you would judge another, any other sort of film. Okay. So. My opinions overall on this movie was, uh, Jesus Christ, Chris, why did you make me watch this movie? Don't do this to me again. I've made you watch some some pretty bad stuff over the years. There's been some stinkers. Oh, there's been some stinkers, but this one takes the cake. I, the, okay, by bookmarking it and saying that uh, you can't judge this by the same standards as another movie, can I at least judge it by... Porn standards? Absolutely. Like, or at okay. least soft porn it's, standards. It, well, I don't know if I can judge it by softcore porn standards because I wouldn't watch, I'd never, when these movies were on in the mid nineties, these blue movies or whatever Friday night movies that, you know, they were popular then on TV, mm -hmm. uh, uh, late night Friday nights or Saturday nights or whatever. I didn't watch them then because they were crap. Fair enough. The, okay. So it, I would rather watch like actual porn. Like real full on hardcore. Like porn. full on this this thing. Like the acting in porn. At least you you know understand that uh, that's not the point of like of the movie. Uh -huh. Like the point of the movie is you know porn. This the point of the movie is uh, sort of you know nudity, uh, but you know it has some standards <laughs> a little bit, right? <laughs> so the, yeah, so th that's a good question. What is the point? of softcore pornography. Maybe it's, it's to, it's to tell a story, but also, also interweave a fair bit of, um, stimulation, <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah. if, if you're into that sort of thing. I'm, I'm totally not in softcore porn. I guess not. Yeah. Well, I mean, this movie opens with a close up shot of naked breasts. The yeah, first, I mean, you, 
First shot. Get in the, the point film. across. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and with voiceover, bad voiceover. Mm-hmm. All I wanted to do is be alone. You know. <laughs> Maybe you should. I had my father and my, I I seem to have memorized the damn movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. You paid attention to this one, it sounds like. (laughs) I did pay attention. Oh, I just watched this. Like we had to delay the start of this podcast so I could fit this thing in. Right. So I, you know, literally just finished watching it. Yeah. So anyway, I, I mean, I think this movie was full of the typical soft porn, soft core porn stuff. Like, as you mentioned, like voiceovers telling us what the characters think constantly, uh, you know, seductive glances all over the place and soft spoken lines. Like people seem to whisper some of their lines. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, if, to be fair, this does take place in a, uh, as the description called a whorehouse. Uh, but I, I thought of it more as a, a high price escort service. Yeah. But, you know, in-house or out-calls. Right. You know, they do, they do both. You could come in and have, you know, relations, or you could uh, invite uh, someone over to have relations at a remote location. There you go. And so because of that, you know, there are a lot of women lounging around in their underwear, seductively stroking their own shoulders a lot. You know, you see that a lot. Uh, there's people getting naked for no reason, of course, um, which happens a fair bit. Uh, there's a character named Rain one of the other uh, prostitutes who does a strip tease for Cindy, which is the main character, to... You know, know, I recognized her. As soon as she came onto the screen, I'm like, I know her from somewhere. Really? And I'm like, okay, I feel bad about knowing her from somewhere. Turns out she was uh, in... uh, Oh, what was the name of that movie? It was, you know, uh, the girl from Saved by the Bell did uh, went to Vegas and uh, did a whole bunch of stripping. Strip tease. Strip tease. She was in strip tease. (laughs) Okay. I, you know, obviously remembered that somehow. I don't know. I was like, I know her from somewhere. And then I went like, is she a porn star? And now I have feel bad about it, but she's not. She's just was in this other, uh, you know, striptease being the- uh, Stripper related uh, The movie. highest profile blue movie that ever existed. Sure. Let's just say. So she's been typecast apparently. Uh, but I was going to say she's doing a striptease for Cindy, like the other, the main character, Athena Massey's character to, you know, show her what she's got for absolutely no reason. You know? Oh, no, there was a reason. No, other she than had to, to get people uh, naked? Know, well, no, the, other than, you know, there was a plot reason. There was a, you know, I don't have, like, uh, what's her name? The main character was saying that I don't have the same kind of uh, allure as everybody else because I watched, you know, I was with this John guy uh, and we watched on TV, you in uh, mm-hmm. a bath with another woman and I don't have that same kind of allure. And she's like, sure you do. Let me show you. No, that makes sense, right? Plot wise, <laughs> of course. I guess I think it was a pretty good reason for everyone to get naked. Um, and then, and then the the prostitutes are portrayed in this movie, uh, you know, generally as subservient, of course, but in reality, kind of in a position of power. You know, they're the ones that they they are in control when they're with one of their clients, kind of. Well, that's what the whole purpose of Rain, Rain said that left, right, and center was that uh, I do this, I like this, I'm in control. Yeah. This is where I have my power. Right. I'm, and I'm just saying that's, that's kind of typical. Like there's nothing unusual there. It's, it's, it is the way it is. So, you know, not much, not much going on there. Um, you know, and as far as JDM goes, he plays this, this strange character that is not one of the clients. He actually works at the whorehouse. He is sort of like the office manager. He's a whore wrangler. 
really that's a thing no i don't think that's a thing but that's basically what he is he just kind of wanders around and uh is muscle is he muscle is he well, keep I the john's know. in line maybe he does, seems does to he be... make the girls do things i don't think so he just kind of is there for moral support well that's what i mean he it feels like he's kind of the office manager or you know he's like the friend of all the the women working there he knows them well you know he's kind of like their friend and not their boss almost so it, it, it's he was completely superfluous wasn't he? he oh he really was he was not part of this movie for any real reason uh, he did in the end it turns out he is the brother of the murdered prostitute at the beginning who yeah. she's there investigating undercover and so he played that part but it really was pretty unnecessary for the whole film and then i'm going to spoil something here yeah he died off camera he dies at the end off camera you <laughs> It's so brutal. She's sitting there in a room and then you hear like car screeching tires and a crash outside and she looks out the window and goes, oh my God, Ramon. And there was he, no point to the Ramon character. And then he's dead. Yeah. Sorry, JDM, but you didn't need to be there. You didn't even get to have sex with anybody. No. And, but boy, did he look young, eh? Oh yeah. He's 12. He, he looked really young. And for some reason, he reminded me a little bit of a young David Duchovny. Something, really? something about the way he acted and the way his voice sounded back when he was, I guess, in his 20s or whatever. He wasn't wearing a dress. <laughs> no, no, he was not. But he reminded me of young David Duchovny. I don't know why. Now, they've had, you know, they, they don't seem similar to me anymore. But uh, no. something about him back then did. Uh, you know, overall, this movie was pretty stupid. It was... Um, it was there to show a lot of sex. I think they were a good 38 minutes in before we got a lesbian scene, though. So I, I give them credit for that. You know, they often break out the lesbian scene right near the beginning, I think. Um, Do they? Well, I've, I don't know. You know, I've not watched enough of these to, uh, <laughs> to really... I don't know. You know? I, I, I feel like that would come sooner. Uh, big threesome scene towards the end. So yep. that feels like, I don't know, something they would do. Uh, but, uh, just in general, I thought the beginning of the film was okay. It set up the story. It set up what was going on. We had more scenes in the police station where they're debating whether she should in fact go undercover and take on this job. And I liked her partner. Her partner was an entertaining guy. He looked like the douchebag from, uh, friggin', uh, Die Hard. The guy at the beating saying, I make million oh, dollar he, deals for breakfast. He totally looked like that douchebag. Maybe his hair a little bit, but not, oh, not the same guy. I, I pegged this thing when I was watching it. I'm like, this has got to be the 80s. I mean, it just, it's so 80s. It's totally not, but it feels like the 80s. Right. <laughs> well, I like the partner. I enjoyed the setup. I must admit, I enjoyed the setup at the beginning with, her, with them. And, and the police chief was an entertaining guy. Come on. I was kind of surprised we didn't uh, we didn't run into the brothers or the father. I mean, the whole beginning of the movie was uh, you know talking about the two brothers and the father. The father was the partner of the police chief. Mm -hmm. He's not the police chief. He was the, the okay. I'm gonna pick nits. Uh, he was their sergeant, and then he kept saying that I'm your commanding officer. He's not a commanding officer. He's a sergeant. He shouldn't even have his own office. Well, yeah, I'm not worried about that in a film like this, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, okay, see, see, that's what I mean by I'm picking this. But her father was his partner mm -hmm. before he retired and moved to Florida. And then she has two brothers, uh, and they were all very protective of her. And I figured that they'd play a part. Like, the, the whole beginning where she was, you know, getting dressed for the first time, which was, you know, we see boobs, and she's saying, uh, all I wanted to do was be alone. I had my father and my brothers, and they protected me, and they, uh, you know, they beat up 
uh, they would threaten to beat up anybody that uh, even looked at me wrong and nobody would ever come near me because of them. And all of a sudden she's getting into this dirty underbelly world of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a whorehouse and she's going undercover as a, as a prostitute. It's like, where's the brothers? You know, well, shouldn't see, they show up and try and protect her at some point? And then the police chief and her partner have to, you know, well, you know, she's doing good work here. We just have to let her alone a little bit. And then they get mad and they beat up Jeffrey Dean Morgan or something. Well, no, but see the brothers and the father were the idea behind those guys who we don't see in the film, as you said, it, the, but the point is they're used to set up her past. And so that doing this kind of thing is a real big step for her. And it's, it's, uh, it's something she wouldn't normally do and wouldn't feel comfortable doing. So it puts her into this world, as you said, this seedy world of a whorehouse, you know, completely, um, which is just completely out of character for her. Now, fair, it might be out of character for most people, but, um, it sets up her personality and her past, which makes what she's about to do more difficult. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I'm with you there. The, the writing in this movie was bad. I mean... <laughs> this is what I'm it was, saying. It was horrible. I thought it started okay. The premise was okay, but it falls apart at the end. Like, you get to a point in the middle where it's just meandering, doing nothing, it feels like, and the plot is not being moved forward or anything. And then the end is just the stupidest, most anticlimactic ending ever, I thought. they. I'm going to spoil it. I think that's fair here, but they, they confront the killer in a room and turns out he's one of the Johns. Yep. And then somebody else from the movie sneaks in and shoots him in the back. Yeah. <laughs> and then the movie ends and oh my God, the last scene of the movie is her having sex with her partner. Yeah. Who's her, they were the love entry. She, they were in love the whole movie, right? But, like they had sex at the beginning and then they were, you know, they were a couple, right? No, I, they didn't have sex at the beginning, did they? I thought they sure did. Okay. Some... I totally bought them as a couple. I knew that they were having a couple. I felt like, okay, after all of this, uh, she's finally back with her boyfriend and they're having a uh, romantic encounter and, uh, you know, uh, they can put all of this prostitution stuff behind them. Oh, see, I was confused by that. I didn't, I didn't get the couple thing from the beginning. I thought they always had a very platonic relationship and he was concerned for her like a sister. Didn't they partner. have sex right at the beginning? I don't know. I don't remember seeing that. I think that was a dream at the beginning. Oh. I think it was a dream because then she wakes up and he's not there. And then at the end, yeah, you're, you're right. There is a scene I, at the I beginning, that. but it was a okay. dream. And at the end, she wakes up, he's there in the bed and she gets a phone call from the sergeant. And the sergeant's like, where is he? Have you seen him? And she's like, no, I haven't seen him. I can't keep track of that guy. So, oh, you see that was, okay. So that was the snake in the mailbox. I completely missed it because I didn't realize that it was a dream sequence. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it was definitely a dream at the beginning, but I was like, oh, Uh, they didn't put enough Vaseline on the camera lens. That's the problem (laughs) to make it a little uh, enough misty. Uh, I guess not. (laughs) Because that's what they do to make things like misty and stuff, right? Right. That's right. They used to, but now they just like press a button and go, ah, misty filter. The Vaseline on the camera lens filter. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a few other notes about this. Um, The sergeant finds Tracy, who's murdered at the beginning by strangulation, but then a couple scenes later, he comes into the whorehouse and he says to Ramon that she was gunned down. Now, there was a gun involved in the scene. However, it was not used. Um, So I think either that was a mistake or police chief just doesn't know what's going on. He's a sergeant. He doesn't know. Okay, whatever. I did notice it. Uh... 
So Cindy, the main character who's undercover, the, the plan is she's going to be working there, but they've set up, the police have set up a bunch of Johns that are going to come in and ask for her. And therefore yep. she can go with them to get information while she's there, but not have to go through with any of the typical services that a prostitute would, would provide. But the first one she gets is, you know, not one of the, the plants. And so yep. she does have to take her clothes off for him. And I thought to myself, so she takes her clothes off and she isn't expecting to have to do that. She's expecting to just sit there quietly and talk with him. But when she does take her clothes off, of course, she has fancy lingerie on underneath, which if you're not expecting to get naked, would, you know, maybe you, would you wear that or not? I don't know. I'm just wondering. I'm wearing lingerie right now and I'm not expecting to get naked. All right. Well, that's good to know. It makes me feel good. All right. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it comes down to, you know? Um, I noticed the same establishing footage of the police station a couple times. The same person was walking down the stairs. Oh man, they do that as on the Simpsons. Well, f- right? fine, Simpsons, but this is a live action <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah, you got to save money. Well, look at the Battlestar Galactica, like the original Battlestar Galactica. I mean, they used the same fifteen seconds of footage for all the battles throughout that entire run of the series. Okay, well, I guess it's just the thing that's done then when you're trying to save money. But I yeah, uh, it jumped out at me here. There's a scene in this movie where she has a chance to get information from a computer, like an amazing ancient laptop <laughs> computer, and she opens it up and she needs a password to get in. And then something totally unexpected happens, Jason. Unlike every other movie ever, she is unable to guess or crack the password and she has to just put it away and it's yeah. it's useless. <laughs> Brick wall. I didn't know the password. Oh, well. Yeah. 1995 computers stymied me. But, but that doesn't happen in films. Every time, anytime there's a password, someone guesses it or deduces what it is, you know, and they get in. In this movie, it's like, oh, password. I'll try a few things. Oh my God, I ran out of time because someone's coming back and that's it. N- never again. Computer not yep. mentioned. <laughs> Done. I think that was. I liked a, it. I thought it was great. Bold choice. A bold film, was... a storytelling choice, yeah, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Um, and then what the hell was with Mrs. V's eyes? So Mrs. V is the one who runs the whorehouse. Mm-hmm. What was with her bizarrely light blue contact lenses? She was supposed to be mysterious. Don't tell me you didn't notice them because they were weird. Oh, I noticed them. Yeah. And I also noticed Jeffrey Dean Morgan, every time he looked at somebody, his eyes kept, uh, you know, wobbling left and right. They were all over the place. Her eyes were uh, very light eyes. Yeah, I did notice that. And uh, I don't know what the hell is going on. She's supposed to be alluring and mysterious. And it was uh, weird. It was a little weird. It was weird. I didn't know that, notice the JDM high thing. Maybe he was high the whole time. Maybe. <laughs> if I had to do that movie, that's I'd be high all the time. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so I enjoyed the beginning of this film. And, you know, I like seeing naked girls as much as the next guy, but. <laughs> it didn't do a whole lot for me in this, but I think the whole thing just fell apart at the end. And uh, unless you really want to see Jeffrey D. Morgan surrounded by naked people, this is not he a He wasn't even in the same room as naked people. Well, he was sometimes in the same room as everyone lounging in their underwear, but yeah, honestly, I mean, we've not We've all done much. that, but sure. you know, what's the point of being in a blue movie if you're not going to be in the same room as a naked person? Not get blue. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I can't say I completely hated watching it though. It was a new experience. Oh, it was horrible. Don't 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 make me watch one of these again. 
Well, hey, man, I gave you the option when we first were talking <laughs> no, about this. No, I know. And I kind of, I thought I knew what I was getting into, but I forgot that I never watched these movies. And every time they were on, I'd be like, what the hell is this crap? And then turn the channel to, usually Law and Order was on at some point uh, at the same time as these movies mm-hmm. late night in the 90s when I had a TV. Uh, and I would just, I would always opt for watching Law and Order because it was such a good show. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Law and Order over softcore porn for Jason every time. Every time. Well, all I can hope for then is that someday we get an actor on The Walking Dead that's done some hardcore pornography and we can watch that for a spotlight and see what you think of that. Yes, it's happened. There's, uh, you know, Game of Thrones have, uh, what's her name? Tyrion's girlfriend there. She was a porn star. That's true. They've hired porn stars. I don't see it happening on Walking Dead, but who knows? But it could happen. You know, people have jumped that gap. They have. They have. Usually the, you know, going from hardcore porn to legitimate television and movies, but rarely the other way where you're like, you know what? I'm sick of doing these, uh, I'm sick of doing friends. I'm going to do porn from now on. (laughs) Friends. Nice choice. (laughs) Well, you know, Joey, uh, what's, uh, uh, what's his name? Something LeBlanc. Matt Matt LeBlanc was in one of these blue movies. Was he? (laughs) Yeah, he was. I think that was the only one I ever watched. I'm like, hey, it's Joey. Wait a minute. I watched it. Joey was in one, remember? There I am. No, Matt LeBlanc was in one. Yeah, he was... Uh, no, I think he was actually the love interest of some someone in the movie. Okay. Like, he actually was in the same room as naked people. All right. Well, if he ever shows up on Walking Dead, we'll have to watch that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that is it for our JDM Actor Spotlight. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope uh, you watched some of these movies as well. If you'd like to l- let us know what you thought of them, by all means, send us a, a, an email or a phone message. We will read them all and maybe revisit some of this stuff. Jason has to watch The Accidental Husband three times before the next time we podcast. So uh-huh. he's going to do that. And, uh, you know, Fear the Walking Dead comes back soon. So there isn't going to be time for another actor spotlight this summer. Remember the days when we had like months off at a time and and uh, we could we could do these on all you know, constantly that just doesn't happen anymore. So does not happen. No nope. beer comes back in two weeks with, I believe two, the first two episodes on one night. That's June 4th, if I'm not mistaken. So we will be covering that for sure. But in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you should visit talkingdeadpodcast.com for all of our episodes. And you can also f- click on send voicemail on the website to record a message right into your computer you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. And the aforementioned email address would be talking dead podcast at gmail.com. All right, uh, Jason, I'm going to go and watch undercover heat again. Uh, yep. so, you know, wish me luck with that. And, uh, that's it. I think happy Victoria day. Once again, to everybody in Canada it was a day off for us today, which is nice. Uh, but back to the grind tomorrow. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks when Fear the Walking Dead is on. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.